Welcome to Risecast Podcast, Episode 9. Um, well, it's been a while. Yes. Um, uh, Josh here with uh, my lovely host, Connie. Hello. And, um, well, we, we have to apologize because it has been quite some time since our last podcast. Um, as we've always said, life happens. Um, I mean, where do I begin? Um, I was traveling. I was within like three weeks home for maybe six days total. And then uh, we had a camping trip in there mm-hmm. uh, with our little uh, adventurer group. And um, sick. We've, we've been sick. Um, had a touch of laryngitis. And uh, it would not have been a pretty podcast. Yeah, you'll finally have your voice back this week. I I'm I'm I might struggle a little bit, especially since I noticed I didn't bring a water bottle up here. But um, that's okay. We'll uh, we'll punch through this. So, well, we'll we'll start out um, as we always do, uh, usually with a little Atlanta United. Um, We'll get Five a little, stripes. Get a little music going here. Had a pretty exciting week. Um, Atlanta United had our first home victory. Our first home game in a while. They've been on a road trip for a long time. Like the entire season. <laughs> but um, Miguel Almarone Almarone had a hat trick. Um, Miggy. In a 4-1 victory over the Houston Dynamo. Uh, that was pretty cool, especially when um, our, our 16-year-old Georgia boy got to go into the game, too, uh, for Miggy. And uh, that, that was pretty cool because, you know, the guy that got the hat trick had a pretty pretty good ovation. And then the crowd at Bobby Dodd just went nuts when this 16-year-old kid got his shot at being a professional athlete. Um, let's see what else happened. Uh, Tata Martinez uh, got thrown out of the game. Um, got a little feisty after a no-card elbow was thrown at one of our players at midfield. Yeah, there was no card at all. You know, in weeks Something past. Something we would have gotten a red card. That we would and have. Yeah. Well, something far less that we got a red card for, and this wasn't even called. Yeah, it was... But I digress. We, we don't have to whine about it. We won the game. Um, you were trying to think of Andrew Carlton before. Pete. That's the guy. That's the chap. That's the chap. But so um, Shout out to Andrew Carlton. He's from Powder Springs, Georgia. Not too far from here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I believe Tata will be... Uh, absent for this game because yes. I think that he is automatically disqualified as a coach for being thrown out of the game. But uh, I will give him credit. When the ball came to the sideline and he kicked it, he, he gave it a pretty good boot. Yeah, he's got a good leg. He's got a good leg. Um, throw him back there, goalkeeper, maybe. <laughs> um, In other news... I don't think Khan would like to hear that. <laughs> no, no, no. He actually is... He's been playing very well um, despite the criticism that he has gotten over the you know, the past couple of months. He's pulled it together. He's, he's pulled it together. Um, 
we will be playing the New York Red Bulls tomorrow. Rematch. Rematch. Uh, the first game, the inaugural game, the one that we went to was against the Red Bulls that we unfortunately lost. Yeah. As, the, as uh, it, quoting a movie, I want some butts. <laughs> that that was, uh, <laughs> they, they ruined our home opener. But uh, I don't know. They it put sh- a it should damper be a good on it. They didn't it, ruin it. They yeah, put they, they put a damper on it. It was still an awesome day. But uh, I, I know that the league is is talking about because you know the you know missing um, Joseph Martinez, which he might be back Sunday, tomorrow, tomorrow, maybe. But it's it's getting close. But I I know that since his leaving, you know we've we've fallen down in the rankings, but. Uh, the league's starting to talk about Atlanta United again because, um, you know, guys like Al Marone are stepping up. This game sold out, too, so that's five in a row. Yes, that's never happened before <laughs> with a expansion team. And, and, you know, I firmly believe that if Mercedes-Benz Stadium would have opened when it should have, I believe that we probably could have sold out that because there is that much demand for tickets. Yes, and people want to see the new stadium. And people want to see the new stadium. So, which lights up now? Yes, we drove by it uh, a couple weekends ago. It's it, it didn't light up yet. It didn't light up. The Falcon yet. was out, but it's spectacular. Yes. Um, in Braves news, um, the Braves you know have been playing a little better. Um, it was a pretty lot dismal. Better. They, they, they were, they, yeah, they were, you, you know. You couldn't get much worse. You couldn't get much worse. We were in the basement. But uh, currently sitting second in the NL East over the Mets. Dansby Swanson's picked it up. He's, yeah, he finally woke up form. and realized that, you know, he is playing Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, we are leading over the Mets. Um, I've got a, got a friend who is a Mets fan, so I just had to make sure that I, I rubbed that one in. It Shout may out. not be that way at the end of the season, but for right now, I'm I'm reveling. Shout out to Richie Halverson. <laughs> um, we did lose Freddie Freeman, who was on like MVP pace. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> for those of you that heard the little explosions <laughs> in the background, um, it seems that someone's lighting off fireworks over Lake Lanier right now. Either they're excited about Memorial Day or it's graduation party. It could be graduation party or it, or it could be that the Braves are in second place. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we did lose Freddie Freeman to a broken wrist for could be as much as 10 weeks. So yeah. um, that's going to hurt my fantasy baseball team because uh, he was he was picking picking up the rear for me. Um, Milwaukee Brewers are in first place in the NL Central. Go Brew Crew. Leading so excited. over the World Series champion Cubs. Chubs. The Chubs. <laughs> I, I, me, I love it. Makes me proud of my big Brewers decal on the back of my window of my car. You know, it, it pains me because it is, you know, the Brewers are my favorite baseball team. And it is so hard to follow them down here when you're in Braves country. Which, don't get me wrong, Braves are a favorite team of mine. They were my second favorite, and I can say that before I moved here. Oh. But um, th- there's a little sour grapes for Connie because the Braves um, 
took out the Cleveland Indians. In the World Series. In the World Series. But nonetheless, um, yeah, the Brewers are leading over the Cubs. Which, I mean, people thought the Cubs were just going to run away with the whole league this year. And they've kind of struggled. They're cheaters. Bunch of cheaters. And then they're looking at one of our guys because of his home runs. There, there's some bad blood between the Cubs and the Brewers. They're um, terrible. The, the Cubs have <laughs> accused players on the Brewers of using steroids. Thames, yeah. Yep, Thames, who was you know leading, leading the league, I think in home runs he's tearing it up oh it was like every every night he had a home run yeah um i'm gonna turn this over to connie because this is this is cleveland news um (laughs) for for her um i'm not an nba fan I, i i have to admit um i followed the milwaukee bucks for a few seasons until they decided to trade away all of the good players um including my favorite Ray Allen and Sam Cassell. At that point, I I lost all interest in Big Dog. I mean, I had a I, I didn't have much interest in it, but whatever little interest I had, I lost. So I lost interest after the whole Allen Iverson thing. I just basketball changed a lot. So. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> it sounds like we're in a war. Here. Well, what we want what we need to preface it with is. In the area where we live, it's normally a lot of summer homes. Like people only come here on the weekends where it's a long weekend or maybe a week in the summer. Like there's a lot of summer quote unquote cottages around here. Yeah, we can literally see the lake from our driveway. Yeah, so. so when it's weekends like this, there's a lot more traffic than when there normally is. Because if you ever see our, our male lady drive around our neighborhood she skips half the houses because most people don't live here right year round so they're partying it up out there while we're in here talking to y'all i just said y'all you just said (laughs) y'all so cleveland cavaliers what what say you they are going to the nba finals again again this is this is old hat um i think that since last year, they've been saying it's going to be the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they were right. Yeah. Um, it was pretty much, with exception to, I think, one game, a sweep after sweep after sweep for both teams. I mean, yes. they're just the, so dominant that, you know, I know that the Atlanta Hawks, we listen to Atlanta talk radio uh, during the day. You sports know, talk radio. Sports talk radio is they're basically just saying, why even bother trying to build a team right now? Because you're not going to compete in the East with LeBron James. He's at the top of his game right now, considering how long he's been playing in the league and his age. You know, he, he started when he was 18 years old. He's he's just a phenomenal ball player. A phenom. But, um, you know, you have to understand, Josh, that I'm from Cleveland, okay? The mistake on the lake is what every your dad everyone calls it so when even though i'm not a big lebron james fan all the time with his his attitude and i've struggled with him when he left the Cavs and went to the heat um because he knew he'd win a championship there like i've i've struggled with lebron but it's still my hometown and so anytime my hometown team you know like last year 
the Cleveland Indians went to the World Series. I was excited for my tribe. I'm excited for the Cavs. And if the Browns could do something, that'd be awesome. Let's face it. You're not going to see much out of the Browns in the next five years. They had some good draft picks. They did. They actually drafted very well. One of them will not be playing, but I'm not going to discuss that. But anyways, (laughs) LeBron James going to appear in his seventh straight NBA Finals with two teams. That's pretty impressive. It is. That That is impressive. You cannot deny the extraordinary player that he is. You can't. You can't. So. Um, and other than that, the Tribe is second in their division, too. So. The, yes. They're the, just above 500. The record's not the greatest, but they're second in their division. They are. Both World Series teams are in second place. There's hope for the tribe. I'm more happy about the Cubs being in second place. I, I want them to drop to the bottom of the division. <laughs> Wouldn't that be sweet? <laughs> hey, you know what Cubs stands for? With the exception of last year, completely useless beyond September. So. This is this is true. Sorry, um, Cubs fans. But anyways, that's that kind of wraps up um, the Atlanta sports uh, in the area that uh, we have missed over the last few weeks but uh now it's time to change directions and it is time for one of our favorite segments connie's tender bits you look pensive stephen jones a homeless man who was outside the manchester arena when Monday's deadly attack took place, is being hailed as a hero after he helped the wounded as they fled from the scene. For anyone who um, has not heard this story, this is an amazing story about something very tragic that happened this week in um, in England, in Manchester, England. And um, our thoughts and prayers go out to um, every single victim Um, and their families. Uh, 22 people, as far as we know now, lost their lives, and many were critically injured um, after an Ariana Grande concert. Um, And a lot of those that were wounded or killed were little girls, little girls and their moms. Um, A few gentlemen were killed, but it was mostly little girls, teen girls, um, young women, and moms that were killed. But there was a, a man named Stephen Jones. As I said, he was homeless, he heard the bang. At first he thought it was fireworks, kind of like what's going on outside right now, but it um, turned out it was a big explosion and he felt the wind and then he saw everyone screaming and running. And he and his friend got up and they started running, but they didn't run away like most people would. They ran towards the explosion. And when they realized what happened, um, they saw all these women and children coming out covered in blood. Um, And he's quoted as saying, we are human, we still have a heart, and we still have that instinct to help people out that need help, and that's what we were doing. Um, And obviously when we were seeing children like that with blood and they were pulling nails out of their arms, um, there was a couple in one girl's face. Um, It was children, a lot of children with blood all over them, crying and screaming. 
And if I didn't help, I wouldn't be able to live with myself for walking away and leaving kids like that. They wiped blood from children's faces. Um, they saw one little girl, her mom was screaming because her daughter was covered in blood. And then when they took the little girl's t-shirt off, it turns out it was someone else's blood and the little girl was um, able to, to get away relatively unharmed. Um, they held the legs of one woman who was, they held them up. This woman was severely bleeding and they, um, they held her legs up waiting for the ambulance to arrive because they were afraid of her bleeding out. Um, and so this man in the midst and in the midst of something so tragic that is scary and there's people running and screaming, there's mayhem, there's little people, there's little, little kids being trampled because everyone's just trying to run away from it. Um, this this man and his friend, who were homeless, ran towards the scene and, and helped out as much as he could. And there's, there's another story of a woman who gathered, I think, 50 children up in a hotel um, and just told the press and whoever else, you know, if parents are looking for their children, they can always come and look at this hotel. There's 50 children here. Um, and so in the midst of something that is just so tragic and... Um, unfortunate and just heartbreaking um there are still amazing awesome people out there um and to hear that this man was homeless you know like you know that i have a special place in my heart for the homeless um and those that are are less fortunate to hear you know that this was the first thing that he thought of was to run and help people it just shows you that it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from you can make a difference You know, it, it, it truly was an amazing story because, uh, you know, the, the man was homeless. He's got every reason to be a disgruntled person for how his life has turned out. Mm-hmm. You know, truly in that group, as the Bible calls the least of these, and yet he selflessly went to go help people after a bombing. Mm-hmm. You know, praise the Lord for people like that. Right. Absolutely. That that would put all their differences aside to to help people. Right. And now because of this selfless act, um, he's he's now getting housing for six months for free. Um, people are as well he should yeah there was a GoFundMe started for him where they're giving him some money to kind of get his life back together and so you know it's it's a reward for him for doing the right thing you know God is blessing him with other people that see this heroic act you know and can't help but be compelled to do something as well so it just you know, love always conquers hate. Always. Love always wins. That is true. Um, well, thank you for that tender bit, Connie. You're welcome. It's, it's always, always a favorite segment of mine to listen to. Thank you. <laughs> um, before we move on to our main topic, um, all time, we have surpassed 8,000 hits. Praise God. And I 
well, I don't know how it happened because I mean we've we've pretty much been non-existent for the last three or four weeks. Yeah, but sorry. um it everything keeps spreading like wildfire. I mean, you know, looking at some of the stats here, you know, seven percent of our listeners are from the United Kingdom. It's amazing. Um so maybe I mean they're well aware of that story, but yeah. Um, and I just want our friends in the United Kingdom to know that, you know, it breaks our hearts too. And we're praying for you and you're in our thoughts and, you know, just know that you are not alone, but there is hope. There is hope found in Jesus. And one day there's not going to be any more of this. That's what we have to look forward to. Amen. Uh, in the United States, um, we've picked up. Some listeners in New Mexico. Shout out to New Mexico. Albuquerque. Um, Col- <laughs> I wanted to sing Albuquerque is a turkey. Uh, Albuquerque was a turkey, <laughs> and he's feathered and he's fine. <laughs> uh, that was a song that uh, our lovely kindergartners brought home uh, this past Thanksgiving. One so of Emma's favorites. It. it Especially when I sing it off key, which I'm not going to do on this podcast, but uh, we'll save that for an extra sometime. May- maybe an extra, May- maybe one of <laughs> those be a B side. <laughs> yeah, a B side. It it'll be one of those where you have to pay to listen to. I'm showing it. my age there, a B side. A B side, yes. <laughs> um, Millennials right now are like, "What's a B side?" What's a B side? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, eight track. <laughs> Um, bust out my 45s our our top three though georgia wisconsin go badgers and virginia virginia we have people listening in virginia shout out to virginia shout out to virginia i'm gonna come your way someday and check out the shenandoah valley that is on my list it is so it's on my list and west virginia west virginia tim and his geocaches. Geocaching, yes. That's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. We'll, we'll have to get uh, Pastor Jaylee on the podcast yes. for that one because yes. he actually uh, needs to be credited with uh, getting us into geocaching. Absolutely. And we need to get that one in our church lot to go. Yes. We yes. To build yes, that. That's do. a summer project this year. So, yeah, Georgia, Wisconsin, Virginia, and South Carolina. Um, and Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. So sad, number two. Colorado, North Carolina, all over. Wow. You guys are awesome. You're so awesome. But we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Project Risecast at gmail.com. Just let us know you're listening. Send us a little, hey, listening from Timbuktu. Timbuktu. Okay, moving on. On Mexican radio. (laughs) (laughs) We are just all full of, we had ice cream just before uh, with the kids, so um, might be a little bit of a sugar high talking here. But uh we will have to digress because the topic of this podcast is not not a happy one. 
No, but it's something we need to discuss. It's something that needs to be talked about, and that is depression. I don't know how to segue into that any any differently, so we're just going to roll here. Yeah, um, it's, I mean, th- like... It- there's a lot of Gen Xers committing suicide yes. through depression. Why is that? Well... I mean, there's a lot of different theories as to why this is happening. Um, But, you know, one of the reasons that we really even, I mean, I'm just going to open up here. And that's one of the reasons we even have, we haven't even had a podcast lately. is because it's something that I've been struggling with. It's something I have struggled with my entire life is depression and suicidal thoughts. And um, yeah, spoiler alert, like, um... It's, it's just something that's plagued me in my entire life. It's something that, um, you know, I've seek, I've been see, I've sought counseling over before. Um, it usually stems from, you know, me not getting along with a certain person that I'm close to you or a coworker. Um, I don't do well with conflict. I don't do well with when people don't get along and there's, um, just strife and drama and I'm kind of one of those people that I like to just be happy-go-lucky I like things to just everyone to just get along like I'm kind of you know you can say what you want but I'm kind of like one of those kumbaya people like I'd rather just we'll talk things out and we'll get it all out there and then we'll be good but some people aren't like that um and it's hard for me to get to that point but I feel so much better once I do but um, I tend to internalize a lot of things. I tend to hold a lot inside. I, I'm usually not the type of person to lash out or even express how I'm feeling because I never want the other individual to feel like I do. Um, and so I internalize a lot of thoughts and a lot of um, sadness and whatever is bothering me to the point where um, I just lose it. Um, the, you know, the floor kind of drops out on you. Um, and sadly, like, even though I have a relationship with God, there's sometimes where some things just like the world just seems like too much at times. Um, and like the more I see with what's going on, like in the world and you just, you, you kind of start to become hopeless. You kind of start to, and it, it all stems from, um, for me, at least, when I'm not making that daily connection with God, when I'm not taking the time to pray in the morning, like I'm not even talking about like I, I can pray all day long, but if I'm not taking that time in the morning to devote my time, at least, even if it's just five minutes um, to do a devotion, to read a Bible verse, to really um, chew on that and ask myself, what does this Bible verse mean to me? How can I apply it today? Um, and just kind of fill up my pitcher in the morning, my day can be a complete disaster. And then you just kind of get into this pattern of not doing it. And then things just build and build and build. Um, And so it's something that, like I said, I've been struggling with my entire life. And um, most recently, with the death of Chris Cornell, uh, the lead singer of Soundgarden, I just... I see kind of this this generation of people 
that just seem to be um, losing hope and giving up. And um, I don't, I want to be really careful like how I word this because as a person who has um, overcome and I am an overcomer, I need to keep telling myself that as a person who has dealt with suicidal thoughts and, um, and having that kind of self-destructive behavioral thinking, um, as well as just struggling with depression and, um, it, Josh, you know that I'm a very compassionate person. And so there's a lot of times where I could even be doing, um, my daily devotions, but if I'm constantly pouring out into other people, which I love to do, but I'm not allowing myself to be poured into. So let's say every single day I do my devotions and I'm praying, but then I'm also, you know, doing what I'm called to do and I'm helping other people. But if I'm holding all that is going on inside of me inside, it can still be self-destructive. Um, and eventually that all comes out. And so there's a lot of different um, different reasons why this happens in my life. But I've just noticed that this certain generational period just seems to be really, really struggling with it. Um, and part of it is, you know, what is, what is our identity? Because um, with this generation, it's for me, like it's that whole generation X, you know, those... The, the people that were born in the 70s, late 60s, the 70s, and the early 80s. For me, it goes to 1982. Like there's, a, you know, conflicting, it goes to 84, it goes to 79. But for me in my life, I grew up with um, a two-parent household. Still, uh, my mom and my dad are still married, praise the Lord, um, even though there was some serious stuff that went on in my family. Um, I have four older brothers that all grew up in the 70s. Um... They were all born in the 60s, but grew up in the 70s. And so for me, Generation X is the generation that I really relate with. I don't relate well to millennials, and I don't relate well to baby boomers. Baby boomers. I relate to Generation X. That's that's my generation. But because there's so few of us compared to the generations on either side of us that bookend us, um, and we're kind of in between that baby boomer um, generation where it's kind of like, well, there's, there's the greatest generation and then there's the baby boomers and then there's generation X and then there's millennials. And there's just so many difference, the differences between each, but millennials are kind of, our generation X is just kind of different. We're kind of like that in between generation of, you know, like when you look at me, like I'm still very we always joke, I'm very analog. You know, I'm not always going to technology. I'm not always, I'm that, hey, I need to write a shopping list, get out the pen and paper. What were you going to say? She hasn't learned yet. Well, she she has learned. She just doesn't prefer. I prefer pen and paper. Where I'm, I'm the one, and and I do, I I also identify more with Generation X than I do the millennials, but... I've grasped technology and I love it. And if if I ever get stuck somewhere where I don't have technology, I will probably lose my mind. <laughs> and that's where you and I are very different. Like um 
I prefer face-to-face contact. I do, I'm not a social media fan. You'll notice that I kind of get very streaky with social media. I'll go on Twitter for a little bit. I'll go on Facebook for a little bit. And then I leave it alone for a long period of time. Oops, sorry. Then I leave it alone for a long period of time. And then I go back to it a little bit. So it's kind of like a trend or it's kind of phases that I go through. But I prefer face-to-face contact with people. I'd rather sit down and have a meal with someone. Um, I'm just... I don't like talking on the phone. I don't like texting. Um, but I'd rather text than talk on the phone just because I I don't necessarily like being caught off guard. You know, it's kind of like someone just like stopping by your house. Like I, I need to prepare myself for conversations. It's that INFJ in me. Um, and so I like face-to-face contact. I'm, I'm that kind of person. You could give me a typewriter. And I would be happy to type up a novel using a typewriter. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I despise office. Like, word is... Ugh. Generally, if something needs to be typed up, um, I usually type it up for Connie. Yeah. Yes. Because I don't have a typewriter. No. But I'm just, I'm very old school. She has a nice laptop with a full office suite. And it just sits there. And it just sits here. I'm sorry. I'd rather, but even more so than a typewriter, I'm a notebook and pen kind of person. That's just, I like to write letters to people. You know that. I mm-hmm. love writing letters to people. I'm not an email person. I'm not a texting person. I, I like to write letters. I'm just. This is extremely evident, even in our in-house studio here. I have two <laughs> monitors in front of me, an iPad. And running everything here digitally, and Connie has headphones, a microphone, and occasionally will use her phone to look up a story. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, back to Gen Xers and, and millennials, you know, everyone always throws in this ideal that social media has affected the mental state of of people yes how is this um for for me from my experience with social media um it's not what you see is what you get there's a lot of in social media you can put whatever you want people to see and they'll believe it you know you can say you okay our tenants are the perfect example of this okay can I mention that or no? Our old tenants? If you if if you we'll want just to. mention this one thing. Yeah, no names. They posted a picture of this very expensive log cabin in the middle of a country with so many acres, and said they were living in that, but they weren't. They were homeless. Okay, we have no idea where they were, but they weren't paying rent on our house. We they were evicted. And so they post a picture of this house they told everyone they were living in. Everyone's like, oh, what an amazing log cabin. I'm so happy for you. But that, to me, is social media. You know, there's... there's. It's not Facebook. It's, it's fake, fake book. book. It's fake book. Like, everyone puts out there what they... It's kind of like a photographer. Like, when you're a photographer, you show everyone your best pictures, Right. But there are some pretty terrible pictures that you don't show people. They're blurry, you know, the, um, the white balance is off, you know, whatever. 
you don't show people that. You show people your best pictures. Well, it's kind of like social media, like you're putting out your best. And so everyone has that perception of you. They think you're living this amazing life. You've got three really well-behaved children. You've got, you know, a brand new car in the driveway, all this stuff. And that's what it is. It's an emphasis on stuff. You know, you're calling your blessings all these things that you own, but you're not putting out there what you're struggling with. You're not putting out there that your husband has a pornography addiction. You're not putting out there that, you know, you have very low self-esteem and you depend on those likes on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram to, to puff yourself up so that you can have, you know, so you can feel good about yourself. Your, um, your worth is not found in what the Bible says. And so there's just... We pretend life is perfect and we filter out all the bad through social media. Now, let's talk about cyberbullying, trolling, whatever you want to call it, uh, cyber blackmail. Um, you know, these are all terms that, uh, you know, have come out since social media. Um, you know, how has that affected, you know, especially in regards to depression and suicide? Well, for instance, like if you have an issue with someone um, before social media really took off, you would either discuss it with that person and tell them what the problem was, or you would just kind of walk away, you know, or bullying would happen inside of a school. It would be face to face. Now you've got these what we call keyboard warriors who are um, taking images of people like if a girl were to take a provocative photo of herself well now either another female or a, an ex-boyfriend will now take that photo and spread it to everyone um, and completely diminish this girl's worth um, there are girls that are beating up on other girls through social media and spreading lies and gossiping and um, you know threatening or you've got boys doing this to other boys. You've got people doing this to someone who comes out as homosexual or uh, transgender. Or you've just got a whole bunch of keyboard warriors out there that you've now through social media given them a boldness that they would not have otherwise face-to-face. They're cowards. Mm-hmm. They're uh, absolute cowards. I, I saw a recent story of, I don't remember what the age was, 11, 12, 13? where um, this boy and this girl were supposedly in a dating relationship. Um, Whether that was age appropriate is beside the point. Um, You know, a a 12-year-old has no business, in my opinion, of dating someone. But but regardless, um, ended up where her friend texted this boy that his girlfriend had just committed suicide uh, it was a complete prank but he took it seriously and, and ended up ended up committing suicide yeah. himself and you know now they're talking about and i don't know if they've done it yet but you know you know pressing charges on this sort of thing yeah. you know that's a perfect example of what you know that it wasn't necessarily social media but it was the use of electronics Right. It, text messaging of, of how this affects 
kids, millennials, you know, it's, it's, it's real. It's a real problem. Yes. And it's, you know, I don't want to say that it's just affecting Generation X. It's affecting, it's affecting my generation completely differently than it's affecting um, millennials right now. Millennials are dealing with something completely different. And I don't want to diminish what is happening to millennials right now, because there are a lot of young people that are sadly um, losing their lives because of cyberbullying, because of um, just they don't know their worth. You know, they've been propped up with these everyone gets a trophy, everyone. And then what do you think that does to their self-worth? They were never actually given credit for what what they actually deserve to be given credit for. Mm, and don't think that doesn't mess with the psyche of a person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're happy that they got the trophy for participation. But at the same time, they have to live with that. The only reason I got this trophy is because I participated. What do you think that does to their psyche? Mm, well, newsflash, there's no participation awards in life. Right. And and that's a struggle when you have the mentality of everybody needs to be, uh, you know, needs to get an award to make sure that they feel, you know, good about, I'll say it, subpar performance. When they get into the real world, it's a shocker. Right. Because now their boss is coming back to them with, with criticism of what they may not be doing correctly and they don't know how to deal with it. Right. So now, instead of being able to take constructive criticism and turn it into positive reinforcement, they're now quitting their jobs, you know, getting fired because now they become angry at their boss. Um, And it just starts this downward spiral of in and out of jobs, no long-term solutions in life. And it's, it's unfortunate. Right. And it's all a matter of how a lot of these kids were brought up with how society has tried to reinforce them. Right. And we need to be careful how we define it, too, because it's, you know, everyone wants to talk about um, like that. I don't want to say self-realization, but, you know, your um, how you feel about self and your self-esteem. And the thing is, is that it needs to, it's not even about that. Like you're still thinking about self then. If we all got back to the basics about who God is and who Jesus is and knowing that we are created in his image and we are created for something so much bigger than anything we could even imagine and that that is where our worth comes from and not from what other people think about us and not other people's opinions about us that we live 100% for God and that our worth comes from him and for his glory. Um, it would just be a completely different thing. And so, you know, though I, I do um, appreciate and I, I myself have um, gone to counseling, I've specifically used Christian counselors because they are very they always know to point back into that direction of making sure that you are going back to scripture, you're going back to the Bible, you're learning where your worth comes from. It's not about what can I do to make myself feel better? What can I, and every single um, social worker or psychologist that I've ever talked with never pushed medication right away. It was, 
um, something that later on had been asked, you know, do you, do you feel like you need something to kind of help you get through the day? And I said, no, I just need to relearn those coping mechanisms and where to find, where to go, you know, which Bible verses to look through to help me realize my worth again. Um, because as long as I continue to rely on myself, I'm always going to fail. Um, and I'm always going to fall short. But if I rely solely on God, um, where to, and him is where I need to get my joy from, not from self, not from anything that I have done or can do, um, totally relying on him for joy and for motivation, um, and for that satisfaction that I'm looking for and living for him and not for other people's standards, um, or even my own, that is what's going to lift me up. Now, within social media, I mean, voyeurism is is huge. You know, there seems to be an expectation that because you opened a Facebook account, there's now an expectation to an open window of your life. You know, do you think that people are putting too much out there? Yes. And, you know, is that affecting i mean that just leads to bullying and trolling because okay 90 percent of what you put out there is that controlled view on your life the Mm -hmm. my life is is great i have you know a million dollars in a in a in a great house but you slip up and you put what's been going bad you know what drama's in your life right now right and and people prey on that because It seems, I don't know, you know, people seem to get more into the drama than wanting to hear about your kid graduating high school. Oh, absolutely. Like what I can post Bible Bible verses and, you know, uplifting devotionals and uplifting songs, you know, Christian music, and no one will say a thing, you know, but you post something about you know, something that happened at work or with a family member or with a friend and you put drama out there and people are all over it. It's like white on rice. Like people cannot stay away from it. Um, And that's the other aspect of social media. There are the people that put things out there that they kind of put this facade of what their life is. And then there's another group of people that they use social media as their diary and it's this is something else that we're going to kind of go into is like kind of like the do's and don'ts of social media as stated by Project Rise um, is your own discretion. Episode 10 coming Episode up. Episode 10. But um, and this is something I'm just going to dabble in a little bit right now. But there are people who, you know, there's the facade that everything's perfect and, you know, you're the perfect little family and the perfect couple and blah, 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 blah. Then there's the other side where there is that person, and everyone knows this person, have mercy, like, bless their hearts, as Southerners would say. There's, everyone knows at least one person, they just put it all out there. And, like, everything is like, I'm a little black rain cloud. Like, it's like Eeyore. You know what I mean? Like, everything is wrong. There's nothing going right. Everything is wrong life stinks and it's because they 
they get gratification off of that. They get attention off of that because people, it's kind of like uh, fishing for compliments. And that's the person that you're afraid to block? <laughs> yeah, because I, I mean, like, I want to be careful. Like, everyone needs love. You know what I mean? And everyone needs grace and everyone needs mercy. And you just have to approach these people in a different way because they're very sensitive. Um, you know, I'm one of those people, I suffer with depression and feeling like Eeyore, but I hold it inside. And then there's these other people that it's just like, man, like, I don't even know if I could be you. Like, the sky is falling. You know what I mean? Like, I'll confide in people that I'm very close to, but these poor people put it out there for everyone to see. And so either they're getting the gratification that they want, where people are like, no, you're really pretty. Like, they'll put a picture, look how ugly, look how ugly I am today, you know, like, or no makeup today, but I just don't feel like, it. you know, they just put something out there where it's kind of like, are they fishing for compliments or do they really need, like, help, you know? Sure. Um, and so there's just these two groups out there where it's, it's really sad. It breaks my heart because if we could all just be real. Now, real for the people that are living in the facade, like let's be real. Like let's let's own what's going wrong. You know, and let's let's not pretend that everything's perfect. And then let's be real for those people that are kind of like the eors in our life that let's look at the blessings that we have in our life and what's going right. And yes, this may be going wrong, but maybe the reason that your car didn't start today was because God was trying to keep you from that 40 car pile up that happened on the interstate. You know, it's what can you look, how can you look for the blessings in the midst of, you know, like if you could imagine God is covering you like with his mighty hand and all you can see is oh he's he's suffocating me with his hand but you couldn't see you know this huge rock that was heading your way that was about to hit you in the head you know what I mean like it's so there's these there's these different groups of people on social media that and this is just a part of like the whole depression and I probably we're probably get on off topic but I mean there's the bullies there's the people that pretend everything's perfect and there's people that use social media as their personal diary and you know I can talk about this because I've been all three at one time you know what I mean like there's a time where I may have said someone to something to someone because I was behind a keyboard and I felt safe it's like, oh, I can just, this little zinger, I can send this their way. Or the time that I put something out there, you know, because it was a woe is me moment. Or the time that I put something out there because, you know what, I'm not feeling so well, but I'm going to put this out there because it makes me feel better. about. I can talk about this because I've been all three of these people at one time, multiple times in my life. And so it's just something that we just need to have, um, awareness about now mental illness which you know there there are various forms you know where which are chemically related um and as well there are forms because we know that anything that is not light 
that is not good is affected by Satan. That mm-hmm. that's what we we believe, and so there are various forms of demon possession that go along with forms of depression. Now, that's not saying the person is evil, but they could very well be being affected by Satan whispering in their ear, you're not good enough, and and, and wallowing in that. Mm-hmm. Now... And let's be honest, we are all susceptible to that. We are all susceptible to that. There is not one person out there that is not... I mean, Satan even tempted Jesus. Absolutely. (laughs) And and demon possession is a real thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always mean that the snarling, rabid, naked man running through the wilderness. You know, it's... You know, know, we've all heard the term a a walking alcoholic. Mm -hmm. You know, the same thing goes for a walking demoniac you know there are people that look and appear normal but are are being weighted down by by satan through demons now there are some people that will if if you if you come across as you're you're being depressed that they'll say well you know that's just demon possession and that's why you're struggling Please don't do that. If you are listening right now and you do that, as a person who suffers from depression, please don't ever tell someone that, that they are demon-possessed at the point. Like, you want to do more damage to the person? Tell them they're demon-possessed. And I can say this because I know the effects of, of the enemy whispering in my ear and telling me I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. You know, I'm not worth salvation i'm not worth jesus dying on the cross i'm not worth my job i'm not worth my children i'm not worth my husband this is something that i've i've dealt with for a long time and i can say this from my own standpoint even though i know that it's satan and and his his dark angels telling me that you know on a daily basis they're hitting me with that you know there's always something where he's like, yeah, you messed that up because you stink. You stink on ice. You're a horrible person. You know what I mean? Like, that's those are thoughts that when you are not spiritually connected with God and making that, I mean, he'll even do it when he knows that you are because he's trying to get you off course. Um, but please, whatever you do, do not, when someone is struggling with depression or mental mental illness, come out and say, you know, we need to pray for you because demons. Now, that kind of goes to, to my next little, little thought here is that, in my opinion, there is a stigma, especially in the Adventist church, to that counseling is revered as worldly, as medicine, when when there's a, f- a fair amount of holistic treatment you know pro holistic people in the church mm-hmm. you know they you know that believe that everything can be done through the health message and, and whatnot you know what 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 do you have to say to that i mean you know that counseling 
is worldly and worldly medicine i i can see it from both sides of the spectrum if that makes sense I know that when I am eating the right foods, when I'm not eating junk, you know, when I'm not filling up on on carbohydrates that are basically empty calories, and I'm not doing comfort food that, exactly, you're rubbing your belly right now, but that's exactly what it is. Like when I'm not loading up on um, sugars, you know, like refined sugars and, and these... Um, and they're not like the complex carbs. When I'm when I'm eating junk as comfort food, I know that's not helping me. Um, I know that when I'm using food as something to comfort me instead of the the word and truth of God, that's not good for me. Um, so I see both sides of it, but at the same time, I have also been in the office of a Christian counselor that they sit there. And they have you talk through your problem and they give you these coping mechanisms. Like I said, the every Christian, and that's the emphasis like, is a Christian counselor. Every Christian counselor I've seen, I've seen two. Um, they both would talk to me. They would listen, which is important. We've talked about that time and time again. If you want to be a good friend or a good confidant, you have to listen you have to allow the person to talk, but you don't allow them to dwell on things. You say, okay, we discussed that. We're going to move on from that. How can we move on from that? And they give you coping mechanisms and they give you, like, I, I could talk with my counselor and I would talk about everything that's wrong. And she's like, okay, now let's look at what's going right in your life. And then they would kind of like poke and prod at you. They would also go back to, there's always something that has happened either in childhood or adolescence that has kind of trained your thinking. You know, like um, if anyone has ever seen medical studies, when, um, when you start thinking negative thoughts, it changes the way your brain works. It rewires your brain. And so your brain needs to be, quote unquote, rewired to be a positive thinker to think encouraging thoughts, to think uplifting thoughts. You need to be retrained. And so it's kind of like if you can think of your, you know, your brain as a muscle and you're reworking those parts of your brain that you haven't been using for a while. And at first it hurts and it's it's a struggle, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And it's the same thing with um, mental health. You know, it's, so it's a Christian counselor will not only point to everyone that I've had um, has given me books um, that have helped me with coping mechanisms to focus on um, what is good in my life, the blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon me, um, the people that he has given me as a network, as a group of people that can encourage me to open up to those people that I can confide in, that I'm struggling, so that they can continue to encourage and to pray for me. Um Bible verses, like one of the best things that one of the counselors told me was to write Bible verses that um, encourage me to know my worth in Christ um, and his love for me, his endless enduring love for me um, and his mercy, his mercy and grace to know that I am forgiven, to write those down on post-it notes and put them all over especially at my workplace where at the time I was having a lot of struggles, was at work with this um, 
this certain supervisor that I had. Um, so she told me, put them at your workplaces and anywhere that you're struggling, put them in your car so that when you're driving to work and you're driving home, you have these truths. Um, and so it's stuff like that. And so if people could just realize that, you know, Christian counselors really do point you back to the Lord, um, and what he has done for us. And, you know, we even know that, that Jesus struggled with some very depressing thoughts. You know what I mean? Like he had to walk away and pray because I'm sure everything that he saw was heartbreaking to him. You know, it just, it would become too much. And he had to rely on his heavenly father and on the Holy Spirit to continue to give him strength because he saw more than we have ever seen. He has felt more than we have ever felt. So you can't tell me that he didn't endure any kind of, you know, something that would impose on his mental state. Not to say that he lost it or that he ever had, he obviously never had demon possession, but Satan did go after him. You know what I mean? He was relentless because he wanted God to fail. Absolutely. You know, I firmly believe that Jesus was tempted with everything and some of what we have been tempted with here on earth. Now, and just think of it is that you're not being tempted with everything there is in the world. You're being tempted with things that Satan knows will will trigger you. Yes. He knows our, our hot buttons. Now, picture getting that thrown in your face plus everything else out there. You know... Thank you, Jesus. Absolutely. For for not giving in because, you know. And, uh, we've said it before. He never asked us to do to endure anything he himself did not have to endure. So we know. Absolutely. We I, know. You can't tell me that Jesus didn't go through some variant. I mean, you know, I don't think it was downright depression. But, I mean, you know, there's probably a point when you're like, man, is this really worth it? It was, I mean, like, he sweat blood. Absolutely. I mean, the stress that, that he had to endure, not not just physical, but mental, mental stress. A mental toll that it took. And so that's the important thing is just pointing back to, you know, who our Redeemer is through all of that, who we know that we're not alone because he himself endured it. He knows exactly what we're going through and he knows exactly what we need. So why not go to the one who, who is our counselor? He's called our counselor for a reason. You know what I mean? In the book of Isaiah, it says counselor. So he is the number one counselor. He knows exactly, you know, when you think of a counselor, let's say you're a drug addict. Are you going to listen to someone who's like, you know, I've never done drugs, but I let me tell you how to do this. Or are you going to talk to someone who has themselves been a drug addict? They're recovering or they've recovered. They've been clean for 20 years and they they can relate to you. I want the counselor that can relate to me and that's Jesus. Jesus can relate to everything that I have been tempted with and everything I have been tried with because he himself had to deal with that. Absolutely. He suffered that for me and he suffered that for you. Absolutely. Now, we've 
we've heard this before is that okay you know someone that's suicidal and you have a couple different tactics that you would try to use to talk them off the ledge per se one of them is the guilt trip well you're only doing this because you're being selfish Mm. mercy I can tell you that as a person who has struggled with suicidal thoughts, the last thing that I, the last thing I thought of was, you know, a lot of people are like, well, this was the final, how do you even say that? Um, Please help me with this because it's a vulgar statement, but that's exactly what they say. It was like the final it was their final say in life. Their final say in life. Um, and for me, it the the suicidal thinking was never that. It was, I don't feel as though I can endure this pain anymore. I don't feel like I can overcome this pain anymore. Um, I feel as though I'm a burden to my family and those around me because I... I'm not happy anymore. I'm not I'm not full of joy. I'm not fun to be around because I cry all the time and I'm frustrated and um more of it is it's a burden that you carry is why for me at least that I wanted to end my life is because I just felt like I wasn't worth anyone's time anymore. Um eventually people were going to stop listening. Um and so To say, like, I'm not saying that there aren't people out there that didn't do it for selfish reasons, but I think there's a lot of people out there that struggle with mental illness and suicidal thoughts that they just really don't want to be a burden to their loved ones anymore. And it's to the point where the best way that I can put it is if you are in a cave, like a pitch black cave, you know, almost a mile underneath you know, this, the, the earth's surface, so you're in pitch black, what eventually happens to you? If you've been in that for an extended period of time, just pitch black, you become blind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a, our, our bodies are built that when we don't need something anymore, obviously you don't need your eyesight in pitch black. You know, your, your body allows other senses to become more refined taste, touch, um, hearing. And so you lose your eyesight. Well, it's the same thing with depression. When you have been in darkness for so long, for an extended period of time, that's all you can see is darkness. You can't see light. And once you finally do see light, it's blinding to you. It is absolutely blinding. And it's like, you kind of don't know which way to go. Um, And so for someone who is struggling with mental illness and with depression, you have to understand that they are just at that time in complete darkness. And you have to do what you can to not push them into the light because they're blind, but you have to take their hand and slowly help them out and walk with them. Well, and the the main point why I wanted to bring that up was when you're when you're trying to counsel someone who is going through depression, don't just 
you know, especially suicidal thoughts, you have to try to understand their position. It's, it's not that you have all the answers because you will find that when you're trying to counsel someone with, you know, nothing that you will say will immediately turn them around. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's offering time after time positive, positive affirmation that they are worth something, that they are valued, that God loves them, that you love them. So when someone is on the ledge ready to jump, it's not because most times that they're trying to be selfish. So don't try to guilt them into not going through it. Give them the reasons why they shouldn't go through it. Right. That's what trained police officers that are trained in, um, in this line of duty where they have to think on their feet and they kind of become, um, what's the word for it? Negotiators? Yes, they become negotiators. They don't, they don't just go out there and grab the person. They, they talk to them and they listen. And that's the biggest thing is like when someone is going through a very, very dark time in their life, what they need is they need someone to just sit there and listen with them and they need to just be there. Like for instance, when, um, when I got the call from the girl that the homeless girl that we've been helping, um, and I got the call from a pastor that said that she was suicidal and I needed to call her immediately when we were at College Dale. I called her and it was it was the scariest call of my life because you never know what's going to happen on the other end of that line, especially I've experienced it. You know what I mean? I've been that person that wanted to end their life. And so being on the other end of the line, you just don't know what you're calling. You don't know what you're walking into. And so calling her, you know, it's just she's she's hysterical and she can't stop crying. Um, and so it's just like listening to her, even though I couldn't even really understand her through the sobs, it was just allowing her to just talk and to just get those things off herself and then or off her chest. And then once she started to calm down a little bit, just those little affirmations, you know, like, can you give me one more hour? Can you give me two more hours? Can you give me three more hours? Will you allow me to have someone come visit you? Um, And it's just those little baby steps. I'm going to take little baby steps with you. And so that's exactly what I did with her. I talked with her, then I prayed with her. Once I prayed with her on the phone, things really started to just change. Um, And then I called someone who was in the Atlanta area and said, can you go pick her up right now? She needs someone to be with her and not necessarily, you know, someone who's gonna, you can't do this. You know, just, I just need someone to just be her friend right now because I can't be there. I'm three and a half hours away. And so calling someone to go spend time with her to pick her up and just minister to her. Well, I I think you hit a key point there is that when you are dealing with someone that is depressed, you're going into battle in essence. Absolutely. It's a spiritual warfare. It's spiritual warfare. Now, you may not want to bring that feet up 
when don't. you talk to the person, as Please we don't. as we mentioned before, but you know deep down it's spiritual warfare. Yes. You are not fighting flesh and blood. No. So don't go into battle without first consulting our general God. Right. Pray before you go into it that he will lead you in the way with the words that need to be spoken. Yes, because he knows what needs to be said to that person at that point. You know, if you need to be brutally honest, he'll give you the words to do that. In most cases, I'm going to say that that's probably not the case. But it, he, if you pray for the words, to for your lips to be anointed, that those the words that he needs that person to hear to come out, they're going to come. Mm-hmm. And, and I guarantee you that if you don't consult with God and pray about it, all of the words that you will speak to that person, because we know this is not a flesh and blood war, but a spiritual war, is spiritually, those words will get turned around and thrown right back at you. Right. Or and you could inflict more wounds. You can inflict more wounds, or they're going to turn every word that you say around back on you. Right. And and it, it, it can be very frustrating, especially because, you know, you're dealing with someone who is suicidal. So, you know, this is this is in essence, you're going into it thinking it's life and death. And you, you need to, to be able to be well prepared. And the only way that you can do that is through spiritual guidance by prayer. Yes. Because you will get thrown into situations that you have absolutely no roadmap for. Right. Well, we have gone, we've hit the... I, I do think we need to, I mean, like, if we can... Oh, we, we, we can still. What would you like to cover here? Um, I mean, once again, just kind of going into... Um, you know, just realizing that society is hurting. Uh, there's a lot of people that are depressed out there. In fact, we were talking with someone at church and he was telling us that, you know, he, he works for a pretty big company and it's his estimate that about 30% of his workforce is under the influence of marijuana. He oversees in a managerial aspect, a plant of, I think he said, 1,400 people. In his. In, in his plant. But total, there's like 5,000 people. Yeah. So and 30% of that. 30% of about 5,000 people that are under the influence of marijuana. And they're finding these numbers are staggering, increasing, staggeringly increasing as years go on. And I can't help but think that this is interconnected with, you know, what do we think of with with marijuana, it's something that people use to relax, uh, feel better, to, to feel a little bit, you know, kind of take the, the weight of of the day off. Um, and so people, instead of going back to what our roots are, they're looking to alcohol, they're looking to drugs, um, they're looking to all these outside sources for enjoyment and happiness and joy. Um, when only that can only that can only be found in Christ alone. Um, 
people feeling like they aren't good enough. Um, we're like, as I said before, constantly inundated with perfect lives online. Um, no one wants to listen to your problems um, because they expect your life to be perfect too. Now we we are learning that we have the um, the wow, I'm totally like brain farting today. Um, the attention span less than that of a goldfish because of social media, right? So the attention span of a goldfish is eight seconds. So our attention span, Josh, pay attention. Just kidding. Our attention span is less than eight seconds. So that means that we are not listening to people anymore, okay? And we want everything instantaneous. That's why we like social media, because we can get what we need and go on with our lives. And so if you sit there and someone asks you, hey, how are you? And you actually say, well, you know, I'm not doing well. That's about the cutoff point. They're like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Where years ago, if you heard that, people were like, what's going on? You know what I mean? They, they wanted to invest in your life. But now we want the, the summary. Mm. Well, and that's extremely evident, especially in a person that is notorious for not having a good day is you eventually eventually your off. friends are just going to turn you off and be like, you know what, they're just going to depress me. So, right. uh, you know, then you, then you start beating around the bush, not asking them questions that could lead into that. And then it's not really a friendship anymore. It's, it's, you're, you're, you're trying to cope with yourself so that you don't have to hear it. Right. I mean, it's even to the point now where like I even noticed it I'm going to say it. I even noticed it at church today. No one really asks how you're doing because they really just don't have the time to listen mm-hmm. how you're doing. We just, we have a very short attention span, attention span now. And a lot of that is due to social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going back to the Adventist church, you know, well, not just said, social media though, it, it busy je- schedules in yeah, general. We just don't schedules. have time to talk with people anymore. Yeah. We love to be busy. It's kind of become an idol is to be busy. Um, and so going back to the stigma of, of counseling in the Adventist church, um, there's a lot of things. Like I was talking with my friend Tania, and she's like, how come there's no um, constant marital counseling that happens in our churches? Or um, just kind of like, just kind of a place where people can have like roundtable discussions about, just to kind of talk about things and where we can come together as a group, um, kind of like a recovery program where you kind of like sit in a circle and you talk about what's going on and then you go to the word and you go to God's truth and you say, well, this is what God's word says about that. Um, or you talk with each other and you say, well, what, what have you done to help with this? Um, and just kind of your, your little group, your little network of people will become closer together because they can relate to one another. You're talking more of a proactive approach than a reactive, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's because some, when you hear about marital counseling... You think well, there's already something yeah, terrible so Something happening. has already gone, they're ready to split, and now they need to go see a pastor. Right. And this should be... We should be conditioning ourselves. There's one, another one of those terms. We should be conditioning ourselves just like with our our devotionals and our time with God, we shouldn't just be going to God when things go wrong. We should be in constant communication with him. 
And it's the same thing with our relationships with other people, with our husbands and our wives, with our children. If we were constantly meeting together in small groups and kind of going over these things, we would have far, I mean, you're still going to have issues within your relationship because we're human. Um, but you're going to notice a lot less of these blow-ups because you're constantly working on your relationship. Um, it's when you stop working that these things happen. It's the same thing with my mental health. If I'm not constantly working to with the Lord to make sure that I'm mentally where I need to be on my focus on Him and what His plan is for my life and how He is working, things blow up like a highway in Atlanta. They just blow up. And so, it, you know, Tinny and I were talking and I was like, why don't we just start our own? Why don't we just, you know, she's married and obviously we're married and maybe we can meet with some other couples and just kind of talk about these are the problems that we've had in our relationships. Not necessarily that you want to bring drama, you know what I mean? But it's just practical ways on how to keep your marriage going, how to keep that courtship going, how to you know, keep things healthy in your relationship. Um, and just teaching people these habits of going to what the Bible says and doing it kind of like a Bible study, but it's also kind of a mentoring or um, just a, a small group study. Kind yeah. of like a life group. Exactly. And, and, and life groups work well in churches. Yes. It's just, I'm tired of you know, churches in general, and I'm, it even happens in our church, the Adventist church, that things are being swept under the rug. And then we wonder why couples are having divorces. It's because there's a shame that people don't want to talk when things go bad, mm-hmm. you know, and if we could just be proactive before things blow up, we would have far less divorces in our church. We would have, you know, far less um, domestic abuse, I believe. Like they're just, if we could just be proactive about our mental health as a whole and our relationships as a whole, you know, with our family, with our husbands, our wives, our children, we would just be in a much better state. And we would feel like we would have someone to talk to. We would feel like we would have a support group that we could go to and confide in and people that are going to pray for you. And people that are going to allow you to talk things out and then they're going to, you know, give you some advice or just encourage you along the way. Well, I mean, newsflash, the divorce rate inside the Christian and even Adventist church is as high, if not higher, than the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So keeping it all inside and sweeping it under the rug per se isn't really working right and it's like as you said there's a stigma that if there's a group meeting that there must be something wrong with these couples and it's that's not it at all it's there's something right with these couples because Mm -hmm. they they want to get everything out and and be healthy Mm -hmm. well i mean you know rather than waiting to the last minute to deal with something you know, if you have a proactive approach, it can make 
you know, instead of building a huge wall in between each other, you know, that, then it's not as big of, a, of an issue. Right. And then you're taking mountains and turning them into molehills instead of molehills onto mountains. And we could do the same thing. It just doesn't have to be couples. It can be parents. It can be um, singles. It can be people who are struggling with depression. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have AA groups. We need to kind of, you know, AA groups work. Okay, say what you want about an AA group, but they work. Um, and I, I really appreciate their approach to things. Um, and I think there's a lot that we could learn from organizations like that and how we can apply it in our own churches. We're, we're not necessarily even, um, it's not even just about Adventists that are struggling with this. You can start bringing in people from your community. Absolutely. Well, everybody has stress. Everybody goes through it. So, you know, we all need to be very cognizant as to how we deal with it. And then we can finally go back to being that movement that cares about people and what's going on in people's lives. And we can be more than just talking about it, but actually doing the work. Amen. Well, any closing remarks before we sign off here? Yeah, I just, I can't believe that I actually opened up about (laughs) depression and mental illness, but it's very real. And I just want to say, you know, if you are, um, struggling with suicidal thoughts um, or mental illness if you are out there right now and especially if you are in the United States um, I just want to pass along the National Suicide Prevention Hotline or Lifeline Um, these are people who are ready to listen to what's going on in your life and help you know and are willing to give you the help that you need that number is 1-800-273- Eight two five five. Again, that's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. And this is a lifeline that preferred, provides twenty four seven free and confidential help to those who are suffering with depression and suicidal thoughts. Um, you know, as, as someone who has who is an overcomer from this, um, there is hope. Um, And I encourage you to, if you do not know who he is, I encourage you to know or to learn about Jesus. Find any way that you can to learn about him um, because he loves you very much and you are very worth the life that he gave you. Amen. Well, uh, thank you for that, uh, that Connie. And, uh, you know, hopefully that this podcast can, uh, can help someone. Uh, especially as, as maybe it's just getting them pointed in the right direction for help. Um, well, we are, we are tentatively planning on doing another podcast, possibly tomorrow night. Uh, um, since we uh, kind of were, were lax in the past, past few weeks. But uh, we're going to talk about uh, social media etiquette 101. <laughs> Um, the, you know, well, we'll have a little fun with this one. You know, we're, we're not going to try to, to be all doom and gloom. Roger um, Hernandez would love this one because I know we're going to talk about some of his pet peeves. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, I, that, that about does it. Um, we're going to stop this one just shy of an hour and a half. So this is one of our longer podcasts, but a very important one. Yes. 
But, um, you know, thanks for listening, uh, everybody out there. And um, this is Josh and Connie signing off. And uh, have a great day. Stay safe out there. We'll see you next time.